Well, good morning again. Thanks so much for coming out this morning. This week is our final week of this series that we've been calling Underqualified. And if you've been here at any point throughout the summer or you've followed along at least uh, at all at the periphery, you know that we've spent the summer talking about the disciples or the apostles of Jesus. And we've done this because as we're sort of moving into a ministry season where there's probably going to be some new things happening, where over the last couple of years we've been honestly a little bit more disengaged, not just from the church, but from a lot of things that are happening around. There's been a lot of reasons for us to pull back from the things that we've been up to uh, and sort of re-examine what we've been doing and why we've been doing it. And then, you know, we sort of have these things creep in to go, ah, do we really want to do this? Do we want to get back into that? What do we want to do? But this, this other thing kind of gets in the way. We, we decide, hey, maybe we'd like to try this or maybe we'd like to do something. But this thing comes in our head and we go, ah, I don't know if I'm good enough to do that. I don't know if I have the skills. I don't know if I have the experience. I don't know if I'm qualified. And so one of the interesting things as we look through the life of the disciples is honestly, they were all very, very underqualified. They, they did not have the qualifications that you would expect one would need to not only lead uh, the new church, but to lead alongside Jesus, the leader of the church, going forward. And so what we wanted to do is spend a little bit of time just examining the lives of the disciples to see what that looked like, how that was happening, uh, and then whether or not we could maybe relate to any of those people or any of those stories. Now you'll notice this is the last week but we haven't gotten through all of the disciples, and we're, we're missing a few. And that's going to happen. We only had so many weeks, but maybe we'll circle back and we'll cover the rest of them uh, in a little while. But I think right now, we've got a pretty good picture of this group. We've, we've covered a few of them, and we're going to review a little bit this series at the end. But this morning is maybe one of my favorites, uh, because of all of the people that we're uh, called this person was perhaps the one that was the most unlikely, the most underqualified, the person that was the, the least likely person that you would look at and go, hmm, that person is set up well for ministry. And that is this guy named Matthew. Now, now Matthew, by trade, was a tax collector, and we're going to get into that a little bit deeper in a second. But here's a couple other things that we sort of know about Matthew. First, as we reference through, you'll notice Matthew a couple times in the Gospels referred to as Levi. So those two names are interchangeable. Uh, that's his uh, Jewish name. And you'd think we'd know maybe a little bit more about him, especially because we have a Gospel that he wrote, the Gospel of Matthew. But the truth is, outside of a handful of references, and most of them in a grouping with other disciples, there isn't a ton of individual stories about Matthew that we know. We know through history, uh, extra-biblical history and tradition, that it's likely that Matthew was martyred. Uh, there's a handful of different ways that that could have been. There's a lot of kids in the room today, so I won't go too deep into that, but it definitely probably happened. It definitely probably happened. You can tell I'm coming off a of vacation week. This is strong. This is a good start. Uh, Matthew had extensive knowledge of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, then was really just the Scripture. Uh, throughout the book of Matthew, he references uh, the Old Scriptures 99 times, which if you combine uh, the other three Gospels together, Mark, Luke, and John, 
uh, is more times combined than the other three. And, and he covers all of the parts. He covers the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So he's kind of all over the place. He really knows uh, his, his old Scriptures, which again is, is really impressive considering a couple of the things that we're going to get into uh, in a minute. But most of all, we know that Matthew was a tax collector. And so before we get into this, because, because what we know most about Matthew is kind of going to be grabbed from what we know most about his profession or what he does. And so I don't know if you've ever been in this scenario where you've met somebody and they've said, hey, I'm a blank. And before they say anything else, a whole bunch of ideas of what that person could possibly be like floods into your mind, right? I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a fireman. I'm a teacher. And all of a sudden, all of these different things that are in your mind that you know about that person floods in and you start to create this character sketch of this person before you even get to know them. And a lot of times, a lot of your assumptions are probably right because you've met enough of those people. So just for fun, let's take maybe a minute or a minute and a half, turn to who you're with here or the person next to you, and let them know what you do. And this can be somebody within your family or somebody you don't know. And then let them know or, or maybe try to guess what you think some of the assumptions that people would make of you based on what you do. Maybe, uh, maybe you have a job outside the home. Maybe you work inside the home. Maybe you used to do something, but then you changed. Whatever that is, uh, talk about that for a minute and see what you think maybe some of those assumptions of what you do are. I'm going to give you about a minute to talk about that, and then we're going to come back and we're going to try to figure Matthew out a little bit in the same way. So go ahead. We'll give you another 15 seconds to wrap up the thought. I heard some giggles right off the bat, which is always fun. It's always fun when somebody starts to laugh before they start to describe what they think other people think about them. That's always a good time. I, I think I've told you this before. So, you know, one of those things about being in ministry uh, is that anytime somebody goes, hey, what do you do? I go, I'm a pastor. And then I, I see that person, and it's, it's physical. I can see it. I can see them tracing through every conversation they've ever had with me going, what did I say? Did I just swear? Was that okay? It's wild. I'm so used to it at this point. 
Um, or, or, or people who catch themselves saying something, and I go, it, it's okay, you can just talk. It's all right. So it happens to me, too. I'm sure there were some fun stories there for a second. Now, a tax collector back in the time when Matthew was alive wasn't a profession that was looked on uh, with um, particular fondness. In fact, that might be an understatement. Um, none of the 12 disciples were likely a more notorious sinner than Matthew. And like, we're all sinners, but none of us really want to be notorious for it, you know? And so Matthew is not only one of these people who really nobody likes, but he's notoriously somebody who nobody likes. He's known as somebody who isn't liked. That's a bad start. That's, that's tough to walk around with, right? Uh, and if you've read Scripture or, or dug in at all, you probably know why. It's, it's because tax collectors in this time were looked at as traitors, as people who actually turned on their own people. They were more hated than the, than the Herodians, this group of Jews that followed Herod instead of Jewish traditions. They were more hated than them. They were more hated than the occupying Roman army. So imagine another country comes in, occupies your country. You probably really don't like those people, but you don't like the tax collector even more than you don't like the people collecting the taxes. This is just a level of which he was not liked. Uh, they were, uh, Matthew 21 talks about being on the same social level as the lowest of the lowest social rungs. And they were also uh, religious outcasts. They were so disliked that they weren't even allowed in a synagogue. They weren't allowed to go where other Jewish people went to worship because they were so disliked and they were viewed so much as traitors. And why is that? Well, because when the Romans took over, they were going to tax the people. And so what they did is they employed people, Israelites, Jews who already lived there to do that. And, and some people who were a little bit more greedy or selfish or whatever that looked like could actually buy into this. And then they could tax their own people. And, and there was two types of tax. There was like a government tax, kind of more like a land tax. And that stuff was a little bit more set. But then there was the goods tax, the things that came in on trade routes, the things that you bought and sold, things that happened in shipyards and all that. And, and that stuff, it was a little bit more arbitrary. You could kind of charge what you wanted. And that's the kind of tax collector uh, that Matthew was. He was on the front lines. He was the one asking for the money. He was the one in the tax booth that you would walk up and meet. And he would tell you how much money you owed and whether or not that's how much money you should have owed or not really didn't matter. That's how much money you owed. And it hurt even more, not just because of that, but because he was one of their own. He was somebody who turned his back on his own people and on his own culture. He sold out so that he could make some money. You can see, we've all experienced this. We've, um, we've been hurt by people before. There isn't a person in this room that hasn't been hurt by somebody before. But it always hurts more when it's somebody that you know or somebody that you felt connected to or somebody that you felt you had a relationship with or cared about you. 
that's the stuff. Somebody can do the same thing to you that you don't know that you do know, and it always hurts when the person knows you more because you sit there and you go, but don't, don't you know what it's like to be me? You know me. You know us. This is brutal. How could you do that? And so take all of those emotions and wrap them up into this occupation, and that's what Matthew uh, did. And so when we look at his call in Matthew chapter 9, it kind of starts to show a little bit about what's working behind the scenes. Again, remember, Matthew references the old Scripture, all three sections, more times than any of the other Gospel writers do. But he wasn't allowed in the synagogue. This means that here's a guy who knew all this stuff probably growing up, but also if he was going to learn it, he had to learn it on his own. He wasn't really allowed in those social spaces. He wouldn't have had a lot of friends, as we're going to see again in a minute, other than other tax collectors, other people who other people didn't like. So in Matthew chapter 9, his call goes like this. As Jesus went up from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And that's in the book of Matthew. This is Matthew telling the story of his call. This is him saying, I was called and I went. You don't go somewhere, especially if you have the background that Matthew has, you don't go somewhere unless God is already working on your heart or you've already got something going on where you're kind of sitting there going, I know what I'm doing isn't right. I'm just looking for a reason to step out and not do it. And this is sort of that first little spot where we see Matthew, although he's doing this job that, that maybe <laughs> he shouldn't be doing, there's, there's something else there. There's something uh, deeper. If you've seen the, the show, The Chosen, which is a really uh, cool show, they depict right from the first episode the push and pull, like the internal struggle that he clearly has as a tax collector and as somebody who's interested in following this Jesus and in pursuing God. It's, it's really fascinating. Now, the second part of this call story is really interesting too because in verse 10 it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, so now we fast-forwarded a minute and Jesus and Matthew are, are eating together, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Why? Because, one, look, Matthew goes, I've been called by the Messiah, and so I want to invite my friends. But who are his friends? His friends are all the people that nobody likes. His friends are all the sinners. His friends are all the non-religious people, all the people that seem to be on the social outcast. And so, of course, he goes, I'm going to invite my friends to meet Jesus. Because no matter who my friends are, it's important that they get to meet him. Uh, and then in verse 11, it says, when the Pharisees saw this, when the religious people saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Well, this is interesting to me, too, because he could have just said sinners, but he singles out tax collectors. Can you tell they weren't really liked? Right? You weren't just sinners. You were sinners plus. It was like a subscription version. You definitely, definitely were bought in. And the Pharisees go, 
Why? Why do you spend time with these people? And Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go on and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous, not to, not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Look at, this is really interesting because Matthew is, is right away, we can see even, if nothing else, through his profession, grossly underqualified to do this job. Not only that, he's the opposite of what you would think. And when the religious people come in, when the people that you would think would be the qualified ones come in and question what's happening, Jesus goes, these are the people that I need to be spending time with. You think you've got it figured out and sort of until you get over yourself, you're not really going to see what you need, but these are folks that I really want to spend some time with. And Matthew was right in that boat as well. Matthew's call is one of the most unlikely for all of these reasons, of course. Um, the religious leaders come in and they question. And, and this is one of those cool things all the way through this whole series. And we're going to get to this again at the end too. We struggle with this in feeling qualified to do something that's faith-based all the time. I've had conversations over the last couple of weeks with people that have said to me, oh man, I couldn't, I couldn't do what you do. I don't know what you know. I, I don't have the ability. God you know, just hasn't given me this. And I just sit there and I go, man, that's a real bummer that you think that because I, I, and I don't know if this is exactly true, but, but I'm not sure if, if I look at the job that I do and, and the stuff that I've done throughout, I'm not on the disciple shortlist that first time around. Jesus didn't call any of the religious leaders, any of the specifically trained. He didn't call any of those people that you would think would be the typical people that you might start a church with. He called this group of people that had some skills that needed to be a little bit refined, but at the end of the day were the people who really needed and wanted to follow Jesus the most. It's really interesting. And again, Matthew is part of this process, right? I don't know what it would have been like to be Matthew. I think it would have been pretty cool. I, I think any moment, and, and you can think back to a moment in your life, maybe this has happened, a moment where somebody has pointed to me and gone, hey, can you do this? And I've gone, well, I'm, I'm not good enough to do that. And they've gone, okay, well, here are the six reasons that I think that you are that I never really thought about. And they went, okay, now will you do it? And I, I mean, I can try, I, I, I don't know, but I had the confidence of somebody to call and go, I think you can be there, I think this can happen, I think you actually do have the skill set. And this is what Jesus did with Matthew. He went, look, I, I know you've been pursuing me, I know you're torn, I know this is happening, and I know you do a job and everybody hates you and there's going to be a barrier and you're going to have to get over that, but I see something in you. I think this can work and I want you to follow me. And that call was enough to get Matthew to get up and leave that tax booth and never look back to the point that he followed Jesus all through his ministry, taught afterwards, wrote what would turn into, although I'm sure he wasn't trying to write a gospel at the moment, would turn into the gospel of Matthew, and then of course was eventually martyred for that faith. All because Jesus came to him and called and said, hey, I believe you're somebody who can follow. I think that you can do it. And this is the story 
of this whole series, right? Even just the people that we've covered so far. We started with Peter, an inquisitive leader, somebody who got involved really early, but somebody that needed a lot of refinement. This was me, and this will shock you, um, that I had a bit of a mouth and really liked to get involved in everything. This was me. Uh, you know, as soon as I had the opportunity to start serving somewhere, I would serve. And, and there were moments where I had youth pastors that needed to rein me back a little bit. Hey, Mike, we're, we're really excited that you're doing that, but can you just chill for a half second? Can you not, can you not say that into a microphone, please? <laughs> Those are stories we can tell later, but they definitely happened, right? I was kind of a little bit of that leader that was really, really ready to go, that Peter type. But every once in a while, needed to get reined back and go, hey, what you're doing is great and the skill set you have is awesome, but it needs to get adjusted. We talked about Andrew, almost the exact opposite. Somebody who liked to work in the background. An individual, a person who really cared for the individual. A person that saw greatness in even the smallest gifts or the smallest skill sets, and a person who was never afraid to bring somebody to Jesus even though he didn't know exactly how it was going to go or what was supposed to happen. We talked about James and John, these passionate followers who perhaps needed a little bit of harnessing. I think the way that I thought about James and John was this. They were, they were know-it-alls who didn't yet know that I didn't know it all. Do you know some of those people? Are you sitting with one of those people? Maybe. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is one of those things, too, where, where you're somebody who really thinks you've got it all together, and then God goes, yeah, I can, I can use that, and we're going to refine that, we're going to change that. These guys were, James and John, they were passionate, they were zealous, they were ready to go. We have Philip, again, a little bit more of a background leader. The, the analyst, the cool thing about Philip, and we talked a little about this, the superpower that, that Philip possesses, you analytical types, the, the accountant types, the people that like lists that track your lists, the beauty, the superpower is that you can see it coming, that you can plan, that you can actually be prepared, that you can be strategically ready for the next things that happens. And Philip needed to be taught that you need to take that and then you need to also remember that sometimes things can happen outside of the plan, and that's great too. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's Matthew. Maybe you're more of the person that you're like, I don't, I don't really know how many people really like me. Or maybe I do a job, or I had a reputation, or I think that I am too low on the social structure. There's no doubt, and it's funny because you speak to a room full of adults, and at this point, you know, eight months ago, this was a room full of blank faces, and at this point, I know almost everybody in the room. And I look around, and I, I look at the story of Matthew, and I look, I don't know who in this room feels that way, because I think so highly of everybody here that I've met, but I know that some people do. I know that there are probably some Matthews in the room, some people that doubt themselves because of maybe things they've done in the past, or their history, or, or what their reputation has been. Or what other people think of them. How can I lead? And, and we always blow this out of proportion, right? There's one person that doesn't like us, and so we think that everybody doesn't like us, and then we go, how can I lead if, if everybody hates me? 
There's no doubt that Matthew felt that way. And Jesus went, no, no, no. You can lead. Let me show you how. And we talked about Judas last week, right? I wasn't here. I listened in. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, It was funny when we were getting ready for this um, series, I knew there was going to be a couple weeks that I had off. And so it was before the series started, and I called Fred and I said, you know, do you want to speak one of these weeks? And he said, sure, what are you doing? And I gave him the list and he went, I want Judas. And I went, sweet. (laughs) 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 And you did an awesome job at that. So thanks so much last week. Talking about his journey and how you can follow and then get off the path. But I think one of the interesting points that you made and that we talked about even in the weeks led up is that right up until the moment, he, he probably always could have gone back, right? He would have been invited back in if he had gone to Jesus and went, I'm sorry, I blew it. I don't know, the Jesus that I've learned about and have studied and worshipped and have followed, I don't think that's a Jesus that would have turned that away, which is one of the most interesting parts about that story. And so thanks so much for sharing all that last week. We're, we're all underqualified, grossly, me included, right? These are the two things. If there's two things I want you to take from this whole series, from all these people that we've studied so far, and as we move into this next season of uh, you know, new school and maybe work and ministry and things around here and everything else that's going on, there's two big points, two big keys that I want you to take. And the first is that, is that we are all underqualified in some way. We all have a skill set that is somewhat refined, and we all have other things that need to be refined. And there are some of you that are here this morning going, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable enough to, I can't see myself doing this. That One of the really funny parts about me being up here, and you talk to any of my friends over the last 12 years, and they will tell you, Mike said this to me all the time, constantly, every time we talked about ministry, is that I never really wanted to be a senior pastor. I might have told the interview group this. I can't remember. I said, I never really wanted to be the senior pastor, and now that I am one, I'm not sure I still, like, I don't know. I never felt ready. I never felt like I could do it. I never felt qualified enough. But one of those interesting things that's happened is that as God has sort of shaped my journey, it's amazing the things that I've done that are completely unrelated to the last eight months here that have come into play over the last eight months here. Whether it's been stuff that I've done in business or other churches or youth ministry or kids ministry or leading workshops or whatever it's been, all of those pieces have kind of come together here. And I've looked at this position that I, honest to goodness, looked and went, I'm not sure that I would ever be qualified enough to do that. And I've found myself here going, I think it's going okay. It's probably not going perfect, and I definitely still am the Peter guy who says things into a microphone every once in a while that he probably shouldn't. But, but I think it's going all right. It's been a cool lesson for me through this. We're all underqualified. I'm sure you all have those stories as well. Times that you took a job that you weren't sure. Times that you took ministry that you weren't sure. I've done that. I've applied for jobs and gotten them that I had no business getting. Right? Some of you are going, I know. No, don't. <laughs> we're, 
we are all missing some of the skills we need, and the reality is we all always will be. But that doesn't mean we don't have enough for God to use. That doesn't mean we don't have enough for God to start with. And all it takes is God calling you and going, I'd like to see you here, and we'll figure out the rest. Just like Matthew and most of the other disciples. So this is one of those things that I I almost want to encourage you in. Mike, I feel a little underqualified. Yeah, you are. We are. They were. But that's on your own. You're underqualified by yourself. But when you invite Christ in, when you get God's guidance and help, that's what brings you along the journey. That's what actually gets things moving. So that's the first thing I want you to take sort of from this whole series. If, if at any point you're feeling like, I can't really do this, I'm not really there, we know. I know. I'm right there with you. Let's talk about that. Let's figure it out because we're all in the same boat. The second thing, and this is really interesting, the second thing is this. It's this phrase that I picked up a little while ago. Some of you are about to find out I'm a pretty big football fan. I wouldn't be surprised if you get a lot of analogies over the course of the next four months that have something to do with football or the Buffalo Bills. Right, the groans, yes, that's okay. I'm very excited about the football season. I'm really happy. A few years ago, the Bills got a new head coach, and when they were, you know, I'm listening just because I still listen to AM Sports Buffalo Radio like almost every day, like I have since I was like 12. And something that the head coach of the Bills says again and again and again that I think is really applicable for this is this. He says, the greatest ability is availability. The greatest ability that you have is availability. You can't do anything if you're not available. (laughs) We can't do anything if we don't show up. Which is really interesting, even looking past into this, uh, this group of disciples that was called. Because Jesus called a bunch of people that were available. They were ready to go. They were ready to serve. One of the reasons that this group was so much better to call than a group of perhaps people who are a little bit more entrenched religious leaders or people who had a personal agenda is that usually when people have a personal agenda, they're trying to advance themselves. That's not the ability that Jesus needed. He needed the gospel to advance. And so he needed people who were available to do that. Sometimes availability is the difference between sitting on the couch and getting up or serving or doing something. The greatest ability we all have is to just be available to do something. This is proven through every one of these call stories of these disciples. Did they have all the abilities they needed? No. Did they have the skills? Did they have the confidence? Did they have the background? Did anybody like them? Maybe not all the time. But they were available. Jesus said, come follow me. And they said, okay, I'm going to make myself available to what you want to do, and let's see where that goes. And so this is my encouragement to you. We're about to move into a new season here at IPC, a season where we're going to see a couple of adjustments. It's going to feel a lot different this September than it has for the last couple of years uh, because we're we're in the building and we're not talking about restrictions and we're not talking about all of this stuff that seems to have clouded over but we're also in this time where you know we're seeing this right now as a small example in a place in our kids ministry 
we've got half as many kids' ministry volunteers as we used to have. But two weeks ago, or last week, we had like 60 kids up there. And some people go, well, I'm not sure I have the skill set to do something like that. And, and we sit there and go, we know, and that's okay. But the greatest ability is availability. Can you help? Can you do it? And that's just one example. There are going to be places all over here. And what we're trying to do is what we're trying to make sure that every spot that exists, everything that we're going to try to get people involved in, everything that we're going to look at you and say, we think you should think about doing this. We want it to matter. We want it to make an impact. Jesus didn't call people to just follow him around, to sit in the background, to not be active, to not make a difference. Jesus didn't call people to sit in a board or sit in a committee and then talk and then watch the action happen. Jesus called people and said, we want what you're doing to make a difference. And that's been a big topic around here. We want when people say, I'm available and I will follow and I know I'm underqualified, but I'm ready to go, that we're putting you in a position to succeed and make a difference for the kingdom. Not for IPC, for the kingdom of God. That's what we're going for. And so as we move into this season, this is both my encouragement and my challenge. It is, you are underqualified, but your greatest ability is your availability, is your ability to get up out of the boat, to come out from the field, to get out of the tax collector booth, and to just follow and see where Jesus is going to lead. That's what we are so excited about here at IPC moving into the fall. And that's one of the big reasons that we did this series. Because I think that after two years of sitting at home and a couple years of, of really just the news getting us down and broken relationships and strain that we all sort of need that reminder that, that Jesus has something great for his kingdom. He has something great for your life. He has something great for our body of people, our church. And it's time to make sure that we come back and we go, maybe we're not the most confident, maybe we're underqualified, but we know that with your help we can get there. So we're going to make ourselves available to do that and see where you lead us. And I hope that over the course of this series, we've been able to do that a little bit. Let's pray together. God, thanks so much for uh, giving us abilities that we see and ones that we don't. God, thanks for pulling 12 guys out of relative obscurity into your inner circle so that we could not only learn from them and learn from the things that they did, the things that they said and the things that they taught, but just learn from their ability to get up and follow you. And God, I, I don't know I wasn't there, but I would imagine that those calls, as easy as we read about them in the Scriptures we have, they were probably hard. That there was probably a half second where they had to think, or they were nervous, or there were moments where they went, ah, was this the right thing to do? And God, I pray that as we have those feelings as well, as there are moments that you call us to things that we're just not sure about and you continue to do that in our lives all the time, that you would give us the confidence that we need to follow through. Maybe that's people around us. Maybe that's your Holy Spirit and your peace 
coming on us. Maybe that's uh, something in Scripture that we read or something that we see or something that somebody says. But God, I just I pray that You would take every one of the people that are here and are watching and are a part of this family and You would just surround them with Your love and Your confidence and Your abilities and Your qualifications so that we can move forward in our lives knowing that we are called intentionally by You. God, we pray for this all the time, but we're, we're thankful that you've given us this responsibility. It's very cool to have the responsibility that we have, God, to go out and be your representatives in the world, in the workplace, at school, at home. And God, I pray that you would continue to give us the confidence to do that. Lord, bless everybody here this morning as they go out, as they seek after you, and as they find a way to be available for what you're calling them to do next. In Jesus' name, amen.